From the California Academy of Family Physicians, this is The Talk, a podcast series on how to talk to patients about end-of-life care. In this episode... In my patients, the fear of pain as they're dying, that's their number one fear. No one wants to die alone. I say, I'm here, and I will not let that happen. The way I frame it for patients is that there is the treatment of disease, and then there's the treatment of suffering. And my goal is to minimize suffering, whether we choose to treat the disease or not. Family physicians and other healthcare experts talk about the role of palliative care and how to integrate it into family practice. This is the first in a series of podcasts from CAFP designed to give family physicians the information and the tools they need to support patients and their families through the end of life. Each episode focuses on a topic such as palliative care, cultural sensitivity, communicating with families, advanced care planning, and California's End of Life Option Act. CAFP's Vice President for Health Policy, Leah Newkirk. We want every family physician to be able to have a conversation with patients about the options that are available to them at the end of life. CFP Executive Vice President Susan Hoagland. We know these can be very sensitive issues, and we want to help physicians and others with the skills that uh, they need to have those conversations and even to begin thinking about these issues for themselves and their family members. CAFP President Jay Lee. By convening a group of your colleagues and hearing their stories, I think there's an opportunity for all of us to help one another become the physicians that our patients need us to be at the end of their lives. As California's population ages, family physicians will be taking on a bigger role in providing end-of-life care. We just have such a huge workforce shortage in the palliative medicine specialty. There's like 100,000 doctors in California. Out of those, Less than a thousand are board certified uh, hospice and palliative medicine docs. That's Carl Steinberg, a hospice and nursing home director in San Diego County. We need to deputize the primary care workforce, uh, you know, family physicians, internists, and nurse practitioners, PAs, to carry some of that burden of this huge patient population who are in need of palliative care services. That's already starting to happen says Lowell Kleinman, a family physician and director of palliative care at Memorial Care Medical Group in San Clemente. There is a movement called primary palliative care, and that movement is based on the truism that the vast majority of palliative care needs can be met by a family physician who has a little bit of extra training on things like communication skills, a little bit of extra training on things like pain management and symptom management. Catherine Sonquist-Forrest, medical director at Stanford Healthcare in Los Altos, says there have been major advances in alleviating pain and symptoms that patients often find intolerable or frightening. For instance, problems like air hunger, which can happen with some kinds of uh, cancers or, say, heart disease, where you feel short of breath and you don't feel like you have enough air. Treatment to relieve nausea or anxiety. Good palliative care attends to the whole patient, says geriatrician Christine Ritchie at UC San Francisco. What palliative care seeks to do is help people live as well as they can for as long as they can. It's really about helping address the things that cause 
difficulty, distress, problems with your relationships, so that one can actually walk through the illness as well as possible. She says most people think it means the opposite, and that palliative care is only used in hospice. So palliative care is often thought to be a quote-unquote death sentence, or for some it feels like abandonment, for others like there is nothing more that can be done. Greg Vandekieft, medical director for palliative care at Providence in Washington State, says patients and their families need to know that palliative care doesn't mean an end to curative care. Well, during some of my palliative care training, um, one of the faculty members took a group of us into a patient's room to talk to the patient who was newly diagnosed with ovarian cancer. When he said, we're with the palliative care team, her daughter recoiled and said, but mom's going to do chemotherapy. She's not dying. Why is palliative care here? Studies suggest that patients do better and live longer if they start palliative care when they're first diagnosed with a serious illness, says LaVera Crawley. Not necessarily be a terminal one. It could be bad heart disease. It could be kidney disease. But it also could be cancer. While you are thinking about all the interventions to potentially cure or to help the person get better, you are instituting palliative care at that very moment. Crawley is a hospital chaplain at Alta Bates in Oakland and a former medical ethicist at Stanford. She says ideally, as the patient's condition gets worse, palliative care increases so that eventually it replaces curative care without a gap in support. But more often than not, patients get a terminal prognosis first with no idea what happens next. Physicians need to be prepared for that conversation. Christine Ritchie and Greg Vandekieft share some of the guidelines they use. Anytime we give people bad news, we shouldn't actually expect them to hear anything that we said. Our greatest opportunity after providing people with bad news is to be quiet and to sit with them and then ask how we can be helpful to them. One of the first questions I always ask a patient and their family is, what do you understand about your situation? I don't say your medical condition, but your situation, because it really leaves a wide variety of potential responses. Sometimes people immediately speak in very technical medical language. Other times I get a very general, I know it's bad, doc, but that's all I know. Sometimes just trying to understand what's important to them is the first step. So asking questions like, if your health situation were to worsen, what are your most important goals? It could be making it to a graduation, reconciling a relationship, seeing a favorite place one last time. Catherine Forrest says she tailors the care plan to support the patient's goals. I actually have a patient who just died in hospice care. She'd been a nurse and an active birder, and she'd had a stroke. She also had an untreatable metastatic cancer. So her end-of-life plan included occupational therapy and physical therapy so she could participate in her bird class and finish finding the last birds. Chris Flores, who teaches family medicine at Loma Linda University, says he always tries to give his patients hope. And what I mean by that is that we have a tendency in medicine to view a terminal diagnosis as a failure of medical care or to view that as a hopeless situation. And who's to say that someone who's dying from cancer or from heart failure or from dementia or whatever, who's to say that that person is not going to experience pleasure and joy and 
moments of ecstatic happiness. Lo Kleiman says being there for his patients at the end of life is the most rewarding part of being a family physician. If you go back and dig out your essay you wrote about why you went into medicine, what you can accomplish in primary palliative care to help patients to really be a healing force during this time will fit in very well with what drove you to the profession. Retired Santa Rosa physician Bo Greaves. We have thought and said in family medicine for a long time that it's really all about the relationship. Yeah, we write prescriptions and we order tests and we help people interpret their tests and we do our best to help improve people's health. But we also promise to be there for you. And this is a relationship you can count on. For more information about palliative care and links to additional resources, please visit our website at familydocs.org forward slash EOL as in end of life. In episode two, coaching patients through advanced care planning. What goes into an advanced directive and how and when to fill out a post form? The talk is brought to you by the California Academy of Family Physicians. It's produced by Deirdre Kennedy, edited by Kate Nitza and Kat Snow. Audio editing help from Michael Johnson. Our theme music is by Big Score Audio. I'm Deirdre Kennedy.